Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6. Have y'all recovered yet? I hope not. You have to let it saturate, permeate all that the Lord did. You don't get that in one night. You don't get that in a moment. You don't get that even in the service. What you have to understand about ministers is they get you started. They give you a starting line. They give you a starting point. But it's what you do with what you hear. Remember, we talked about meditation earlier this year. We said meditation is not the hearing, but it's what you do with what you hear. So now allowing that to saturate our minds and our thinking and processing that, going back over the scriptures that were given. We have technology now that allows us to go back and listen to messages time and time again. Staying in that allows us to get all that God really wants to deliver from those opportunities and from those moments and from those words. Monday night, Pastor Paul, if you remember, spoke upon the lines of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to be reading out of the Christian standard, starting with verse 10. It says, finally, be strengthened. Everyone say strengthened. Strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. We need a different kind of strength in these days. We need a different kind of resilience, and we need a different kind of resolve, and we need a different kind. You know, I've I've spoken with several people that have, you know, asked me, what flipped, what switched, what, what, what is happening? Your word seems different. Your posture seems different. I couldn't pinpoint it on one specific thing. I've even asked myself the same question. Um, I was just telling Adam over here, I just, the only thing I can ascribe it to is just a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency in these last days. There's a different pull and there's a different posture and position that we're going to have to be in. And I believe there's a distinction. I believe it's distinguishable. I believe it looks far different from what the world wants to offer you. With this strength looks like, what this boldness looks like. If you recall in Acts chapter 2 when Peter spoke up and it said that, uh, you know, that boldness that he stood up with. You remember Peter was a bold guy. It it, it wasn't out of his character to be the one stepping out. He's the one that walked on water. Y'all remember that guy? He's the one that was, you know, calling down fire from heaven on people. He was the one chopping guys' ears off. Y'all remember that? That's the same guy. He was the one that was cussing a lady out saying, I don't know the man. I've never heard of him, never seen him. I have no uh, uh, association with the guy. Leave me alone. Leave me the alone. (laughs) Put it in his words. That was Peter. But in Acts chapter 2, it was a different kind of boldness. It was a different position. It was a different posture that he had in Acts chapter 2. It was a supernatural boldness that is not ascribed to anything this world would give you. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast 
strength. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. Everyone say stand. Everyone say strength. Everyone say stand. You can stand against the schemes of the devil. We learned this past weekend that the enemy is no idiot in the sense that he is strategic and he has schemes and he's schematic in his approach and, and, and he's, he, he, he's confusing and he's deceptive and he's tricky and he knows how to contort things and how to twist things and pervert things to not get us to take a hard 90 bend off of God, but to feel like we're following him when we really aren't. To dilute and to manipulate and to allow little things here and there that compromise our effectiveness and compromise our mission and compromise our strength. For our struggle, here it is, is not against flesh and blood. Everyone say strength. Everyone say stand. Everyone say struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. I'm going to read that one more time so you can see where our war is, where our battle is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Remember Pastor Paul showed us that that flesh literally means contained in a body, having bodies. Our war is not against those having bodies. But it's against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. You know, when we talk about the wicked forces or the unseen realm or even demons and demonic natures, and, you know, even the church has shied away. The devil has even gotten us shied away from talking about him. Isn't that interesting? That he has, anytime we go this vein now, people are more led by fear than victory. We're too afraid to bring up demonic powers, demonic oppression, demonic possession, demonic overtake. Just to even have the thought that there are demons in a realm we cannot see, that puts fear in people's minds. Even the devil has manipulated our view of himself. Verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything, having prepared everything to take your stand. So that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Anybody believe we are in an evil day? Come on, we don't have to deny it. We don't have to ignore it. We don't have to act like it's not happening. We're in an evil day. And it's only going to get more evil. And having prepared everything in the New King James, you know what it says. And having done all to stand, take your stand. And the first two words of verse 14, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, don't sit. Having done all to stand, resist, withstand. I believe this. I believe that the enemy 
cannot stop the mission of God. Stands no chance. He is, he, he is no adversary to God. I would even go as far to say that the devil is not even God's enemy because he's already whipped. It's already over. It's, he's already defeated. And he knows this. He knows more than some church people know about his end. I remember an old song back in the 90s. I want to say it was Carmen. Anybody remember Carmen? Y'all remember Carmen? He passed away earlier this year. He, he was so awesome, man. I, I had all of his cassette tapes. Yeah, I said cassette tapes. A side and B side. You had to rewind it and you use a pencil to wind that nasty stuff back up in there. <laughs> he said, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Yeah, he doesn't stand a chance. But the enemy is warring and the enemy is fighting and we are in a fight and we are in a war. And the war is not to gain victory. The war is to stand in victory. The war is not to accomplish something. The war is to re retain and resist the enemy. Now, if you already have a victory, then what your enemy will do, a key plot and a key tactic of the enemy and a key tactic in these last days is weariness. If he can't undo what Jesus did on the cross, then what he will do is he will wear you out. He can't stop the mission of God, but he will try to stop you. And the mission of God is tied to man. God is not doing anything in the earth without you and I. He's just not. Now, I will say this. If he can't do it through you, he'll find someone else. I wonder how many Abrahams came before Abraham. I wonder how many Noahs came before Noah. I wonder how many Davids. I wonder how many shepherd boys in pastures that God approached and, and they passed it up. And so we finally, it, it, we don't know that. But I do know that God will get his mission accomplished. And if he can't get it done with Moses and those Israelites, when they die off, he'll raise up a new generation and get Joshua to take them in. He'll get the mission accomplished. The question is not will he do it, will he use me? That's the question. Will I be a part of what God wants to do in these last days? And here's what I believe. I believe these last days call for the church to be at full strength. I believe these last days call for you and I to be at full strength. Not depleted, not wore out, not tired. The ploy of the enemy in these last days is to wear you out. The New King James actually uses the word where we see resist, it's withstand. That word withstand means to outlast. It's last man standing. Will you be the last man standing? Who has the last word? Who has the final say? We know God does. But will you stand on that? Will you remain in that? Or will the enemy move you off of it? Off of what already belongs to you. Off of what already you possess by the king and by what Jesus has made available for you. Not just going to heaven. I'm talking about bringing heaven. Living heaven on earth. Will you outlast him? The enemy 
wants us depleted. Because he knows that there's a fight and he knows that there's a war. And we are called to be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. We recognize that we are called to stand against the schemes of the devil. We recognize that there is a struggle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of darkness, evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Take up this armor so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, in the last day, at the end of days, still standing strong, still remaining. And when you've prepared everything, when you've done all to stand, take your stand. Stand there for. I believe that we need to address this weariness. I believe that we as a church, our mission is compromised and our efforts are brought to null when we do not keep ourselves at full strength. And there's many ways that we wear ourselves out. There's many ways that we um, uh, get tired and get weary and get drained. You know, it's almost like it's an impulse response. Now, how you doing? Tired. We don't even think about it. We don't even ask ourselves if we're really tired. We wake up from a full night's sleep. Tired. It's just an impulse response for most people now. Long day. You know, here we are, back to school season. Right? I mean, we come back from vacation tired. We go on vacation tired. We go back to school tired, and then at the end of the school year, we're still tired. We're tired when we go to work, and we're tired when we get off work. We're tired when we go to bed, and we're tired when we wake up. We're constantly tired, constantly weary. There's things that happen when Weariness sets in. I want to give you three indicators of weariness. And then I want to speak against. We can speak against some things, and then there's things we're going to have to address to combat weariness. As a result of this night, you can no longer tolerate weariness in your life. You cannot be tired. We do stupid things when we're tired. We do the wrong things when we're tired. Number one, when you are weary, you are more easily distracted. When you are weary, you are more easily distracted. The more distracted you are, the more manipulated you become. The more distracted you are, the more manipulated you become. It's easy to pull one over on you. The distractions. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not give up. Notice what he's addressing right there on the spot, endurance. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't lay down. Continue, persevere, endure, press on. Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. Are you living your day by day by what's happening on the outside or by who you are on the inside? Because he's not ignoring the fact that our outer is pressed. But he's 
identifying that there's something else going on in your life that you can tap into. There's another resource you have. There's another man on the inside that's saying, get up, drive on, press in, go. You can do this. But it's on the inside. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus. This is the answer. We do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen, what is not seen with the natural eye, is eternal. So number one, when we're weary, we are more easily distracted. Distracted by what's happening on the outside. Distractions of opposition, distraction of politics, distraction of government, distraction of finances and economy, distraction of of, of school. There's so many things that he's identifying on the outside can bring weariness to your life. And when you become weary, you're easily distracted. And when you are distracted, you're easily manipulated. You can easily, the enemy can easily pull one over on you. You're, 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 Witness, your, your wit about you is not in a position to withstand and, and clearly determine, is this something that I need to be focused on or is this something that is a distraction in my life? Not everything that comes to your life demands your attention. Not everything that happens to you demands your full-on attention. We're going to have to learn to keep our eyes fixed on where our focus needs to be. We're going to have to learn to avoid distractions, and when they do come, shut them down. I've done a lot of shutting down in the last 18 months. I hope you have too. Not everything needs to be a voice in your life. Not everything needs to have, well, not everything needs to have your heart. There are some things in that are happening in our world that you can easily become burdened by. But when you become burdened by something that you should not be burdened for. I've, I've had, you know, even people on our leadership team come to me about individuals in our church. And I'll let them know, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Now release it. Because you are not their pastor, I am. And you were not designed to carry that burden. You bring it to the shepherd of the flock, the overseer of their soul. But you're going to have to learn to release. I know there's a care, a care for brethren, a care for the sisters and the, and the brothers and the body of Christ. And we're all one. But you have to understand where that cuts off and where the pastor steps in. And then you have to release that burden. Don't pick up other people's burdens. Don't pick up other people's burdens. Just because someone else is burdened about it and crying about it and emotional about it and is fighting for it does not automatically mean you have to be. We have to be so guarded in our hearts in these last days that we're not grabbing onto every little thing. You're going to have to learn what to say yes to and the 10 other things you say no to. You'll say no a lot more than you'll say yes in these last days. But our distractions, they will cost us every time.
Refuse to give your energy, time, and resources to things that don't matter. Refuse to give your time, energy, and resources to things that don't matter. That doesn't mean it doesn't matter in the world. Has God put that on you? Did God call you to fix that? Did God call you to address that? I mean, when you have a divine burden for something, you'll know. It's undeniable. And all others, you're going to have to, hey, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. I'll, I'll, I'll assist in whatever way I can. But I, I'm not, I cannot take on that burden. I have to be guarded. I have to be intentional. I have to be deliberate where my time, my energy, my focus, my resources go. Because if I come off, then that means that I, it's costing me where I should be putting my focus. Where I should be giving my attention to. You heard me talk about this. I think it was earlier this year. It all is running together now. About choosing your battles. Choosing your battles. The world tells us the more battles you fight, the stronger you are. I'm telling you tonight, that's a complete false statement. In fact, the one that picks every battle that comes to them is actually the weakest one. Just for reference, 1 Samuel chapter 16, David, not even king yet, shows up on a battlefield with an assignment by the Spirit of God to slay the giant Goliath. But you know, he had to fight some battles before he ever made it to Goliath. He had to fight his father. Not literally fighting, but why didn't dad call me? Then the prophet came. Why didn't dad call me to the house? I mean, is that really what he thinks of me? I'm just the forgotten number eight out in the field? Did he just assume that one of my other brothers was going to be the, the new king of Israel? That's a war. That's a battle. He shows up on the battlefield delivering food to his brothers and his oldest brother, Abinadab, is literally picking a fight with him on the spot. Why are you even here? Who did you leave those sheep with? Run along. You don't belong here. This ain't for you. He had to battle King Saul. King Saul only saw that the only standing chance that he had was to put him in his armor and put him in his suit and, 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 and make him look the part at least. And if David would have given his attention, picked a fight with any of those, then he would have had no strength left to fight the, the main battle. I'm telling you, there are bigger battles to fight. There are bigger fights ahead of you. And you're going to have to learn to pass up the ones that are going to show themselves. You'll have plenty of opportunity. <laughs> You'll have plenty of opportunity to fight battles you have no business fighting. They will present them to you, present themselves to you on a daily basis. And they will even look patriotic. And they will even look like, man, this is where I can show my strength. And you're going to have to learn by the sermon of the Holy Spirit, this is not a battle for me to fight. I do not wage war against flesh and blood. 
I do not wage war against politicians. I do not wage war against government figures. I do not wage war against instructors and coaches and teachers and principals and pastors and brothers and sisters. And, and I don't wage war against people of other color. I don't wage war against other nationalities. I don't wage war against those that are calling me out. I don't wage war against those that I help and then they stab me in the back. I don't wage that war. I have to retain my strength for the real battle up ahead. You're going to have to learn to pass up battles in these last days. Some of us are exhausting ourselves on stuff that we have no business wasting our time, our energy, and our resources on. You're going to have to be choosier. You're going to have to be pickier. You're going to have to be more intentional with your life in these last days. Your time in your energy, that, is, that ought to be your greatest commodity that you have at your disposal. We probably all would agree in some aspect that we could give more time to devotion to the Word and to prayer and to church and to things that build us up spiritually. But I can promise you, you're filling the time with something else. Everybody since the ever existence of this planet has gotten 24 hours a day. No one has gotten more. No one has gotten less. We do not have less time today than Paul did. Than Jesus did. Than David did. Than Adam did walking in the cool of the garden. Nobody on this planet has ever operated with more than 24 hours. It's never happened, and it never will. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. We've got to be more protective of this rich and precious commodity that we have been given. It's our time. It's our time. Use your time wisely. Utilize the time that God has given you wisely. Protect it. Guard it at all costs. Because when we're wasting time or presenting ourselves with time that is not reaping back to us the results that we need, it's only costing us with no return. Choose your battles. When you're weary, you're more easily distracted. Number two, when you are weary, you give in more easily. You give in. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. In Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Little foxes. The little foxes. That ruin the vineyard. When you're weary, it's amazing the things you all of a sudden become tolerant of. It's amazing the things you start to allow in your life that you would have never allowed before. You start, and it's little things. 
No, it doesn't start out as the big thing. It doesn't start out as the great thing. It doesn't start out as the, the precious thing. It starts out as the little thing. The little things get tolerated over time, and they eventually just become normal and natural in our habit, in our day, in our pattern. And then it opens the door. These little foxes spoil the vine. These little foxes come in and they ruin what we've planted and worked so hard to, to, to put in place and to produce and to grow for us. It's the little foxes. Just little. Ah, it's okay. We start to bow. And we start to lower our standards. Start to decrease our values. Here's what the Lord showed me. When we lower a standard that he has set in place, when we become tolerant of something that he is intolerant of, we have become lovers of self rather than lovers of God. It actually says more about the pride in our heart that we would exalt ourselves beyond what he put in place. God, I know that's your standard, but ah, here's what I think about. It's a form of pride. We become lovers of self. In fact, if I could just be as bold to say it, in the last 20 years, we have allowed a form of Christianity that has produced men that are lovers of self, not lovers of God. We became tolerant slowly, Surely, little by little, introducing, implementing things that have no business in the house of God. And it's produced a consumer rather than a contributor. It's produced one that walks through these doors saying, what can I get? What do you have for me? It's produced the people that want to put in as little as possible but still expect maximum results. We have to Become intolerant of the things that God is intolerant of. We give in easier. We bow. Before you know it, we're doing things justified that a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago would have never even been thought of. It's time for the church of the living God to be distinct in these last days distinguishable, set apart, sanctified, and consecrated for His good work and for His good use. It's time to get back to what matters to the heart of God. It's time to quit redefining terms and redefining ideas and redefining His Word. It's time to just get back to the basics of, God, what were you saying and what were you implying and what were you expecting of us? And let's just live according to that and let's just see what happens. I mean, I remember when I heard that churches weren't even allowing, spirit-filled churches weren't even allowing their pastors and their leaders to speak in tongues in a service. That is fear of man, by the way. That is fear of man. I'm afraid of how they will respond. 
And the word even clearly tells us that it's a sign for unbelievers, not even for believers. We're, we're better than this. We cannot be this easily duped. But we slowly begin to introduce these things. And now we have a culture of Christians that are lovers of self. If you present flesh to get someone, you have to keep using flesh to keep them. And I'm just in the days right now of the church that we've tried it their way. Not we personally, but we've seen the church, especially in America, try religious antics and try the, the dog and pony show and try tricks and, 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 and all kinds of uh, 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 motivators to get them in the church and keep them in the church. And, and, and they're dying. They're dying in the pews. They're dying going through the motions, dying sitting in a chair. God, die. They, 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 they were drawn in by your, your show. You've created a cemetery. Yeah, we lower our standards. We give in because we're weary. Because we allow weariness to set in. I don't don't have the energy to fight that. Because we're wasting so much time fighting the stuff in number one that we shouldn't be. We don't have the time to stand for the stuff that we should be resisting in number two. Stand. That means it's something you stand for. It's time to raise the standard. We give in easier. We get irritated and frustrated so much easier. People's irritation and frustration levels are through the roof right now. It doesn't take much to frustrate anybody anymore. Especially even in the church. Yep. Because I'm weary. You know how irritable you get when you're tired? Just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. They'll tell you how irritable you are when you're tired. They know when to not ask you certain questions. They know when not to... Up, oh, I see it on his face. Just walk through the door. It's time for bed. Whatever. Oh, we get irritable. Ah. We need the Holy Spirit. Number three. When you are weary. hope you're ready for this. When you are weary, you become suspicious. Mm. Suspicion is counterfeit discernment. We're going to break this one down. Suspicion is counterfeit discernment. Many people in the church of the living God have become suspicious, and they call it the gift of discernment. We're going to break this down. 
Faith breeds discernment. Faith breeds discernment. It allows me to see things that are underneath. It allows me to see behind the scenes. That's discernment. When I'm discerning of something, that means I'm not taking it for face value, but I'm discerning by the Spirit of God agendas and motives and and what's going on underneath. Not just in a bad way. By discernment, I have seen people approach me needing physical healing in a body and discerned there's bitterness in your heart. And that root of bitterness is now showing itself and presenting itself in a physical ailment. Correct the spiritual and you'll see correction in the natural. But that's a gift of discernment because why? I can't see the spiritual position. I need discernment. Faith breeds discernment. Fear breeds suspicion. Fear breeds suspicion. Fear breeds suspicion. In Luke chapter 9, in verse 51, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. This is Jesus. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Watch this. Just as Elijah did, they even were able to justify calling down fire and burning up human beings. And they're approaching Jesus with this. They're saying, Jesus is... We're going to take care of this, right? I mean, I, we, know, we know how bold and dogmatic you are, and they don't receive you. We'll just burn them up. And watch what Jesus says. He turned and he rebuked them. And he said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. A suspicious spirit. I know that there's a lot of craziness going on. I know there's a lot of misinformation and hidden information. I know that there are things and agendas and plans, and and I am all for being informed. I'm all for you knowing what is happening and you need to know. You need to be in the know. Don't just swallow what is served to you on a silver platter. They'll make it look good. They'll make it sound good. And they'll even use biblical terms like love your neighbor. And if you were really like Jesus, you would love your neighbor and you would do this and you would do that and you would care for them. If I was really like Jesus, I'd lay hands on the sick and I would see them recover. I would follow the commission that he's given me as a kingdom citizen in the earth. Not one time did I see Jesus back down 
Leprosy was a highly contagious disease. And it almost just sickens you when you hear pastors say, well, you know, you know he would still use wisdom. It's just fear. Let's just call it for what it is. But where we lose the heart of God is when we don't recognize that there are people's lives hanging in the balance. And you start warring against flesh and blood. And it'll wear you down. I I don't know if there's any greater way to become weary in these last days than suspicion. It's that strong. It's a stronghold in some people's lives. They feed on it. They've almost become addicted to this discovering of information. They've almost become addicted to this finding out what's really going on. What are they really up to? If it's controlling you in that way, you're not using discernment. You're not just, we want to be informed. You have gone over to, you've given yourself to a spirit that's now controlling you, dictating you. And then it's not good enough just for you to find out. You have to spread and you have to share and you have to show and you have to invite and you have to, you, you, and, and you don't even take into account who you're talking to and who you're sharing it with. And can they even handle the information that you're giving? Can they even handle it? Here's what suspicion does. Suspicion puts you on your heels. Suspicion gives you a sense of losing. Suspicion Suspicion The church cannot operate If it thinks it's losing I'll say that again The church cannot operate As it should and as it ought to If it thinks it's losing Our binding and our loosing that was given to us in Matthew chapter 16. That was not a fear approach. Get to it before it gets to you. Jesus never wanted us to operate out of fear. Jesus never wanted wanted us to operate from a position of feeling like we are losing or we're trying. You know, there there are Christians in this country that think that we have lost this country. We used to sing a song back in the day. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back. We're doing far more than that. We're occupying till we come. We're retaining territory. We're taking territory for the kingdom of God. But when we get suspicious, we become defensive. 
We become guarded. And here's the greatest thing that's compromised. You can't see people the way God sees them anymore. There's going to be people you're going to have to pray for in these last days that you're not going to want to pray for. And if your heart has become so hardened and your approach no longer has the love of God on it, Brother Haken called, he said, love is the way to victory. If you lose your love walk, battle's over right there. We start approaching, well, let's just call down fire and consume them. And God is saying, I came to save them and redeem them and restore them. That's a life that my son died for. And you want them burnt up and consumed. You no longer even have the heart of God anymore. And you've allowed fear and suspicion to be your leader and to be your guide and rather than the Holy Spirit. And now your weariness and your tiredness is set in. And now you're looking for an angle. You're always looking behind your back. You're always looking over your shoulder. You're always looking around the corner. You're always thinking somebody's up to something and somebody's trying to manipulate and somebody's trying to twist and somebody said, well, they said this, but what are they really trying to say? That is garbage stuff and it will keep you from experiencing the victory that you ought to be walking in. Bitterness and offense. You can't even operate with compassion anymore. I was talking about compassion with Camden the other day. And I said, do you know what compassion is? It's not just feeling sorry for somebody. When the Bible says that Jesus was moved to compassion, it literally meant moved to action. Not just, I feel sorry for you. Not just, I'll pray for you. But I'm literally moved to action on your behalf. I'm literally moved to come alongside and assist. I'm literally moved to come and show you and bring you something that nobody else will. That's compassion. And Jesus was moved by, with nails going into his hands, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if in all of this, the church loses its heart and loses its approach and loses its posture of love towards the world, that you no longer care for it, you're no longer burdened for it, you no longer have the heart of God for it, you no longer see people the way God sees them, then you're not fighting a winning battle. It might sound good. I have a presentation of look at how strong I am and how weak they are. But if you, if your display of strength is only to identify someone else's weakness, then you do not have the heart of God. If you're looking for an angle and you're looking for over your shoulder what's really happening and, and you've got this suspicious approach to everything, you do not have the heart of God. You do not. And not everything you know, and not, not every, not every, there is plenty that I know or that I would love to preach on, I would love to share, but I know it couldn't be tolerated. I know it couldn't be handled. I don't have the liberty to just say and share and do whatever I want to do because I have some revelation knowledge. I have to guard the people that God has given me influence over. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. 
the fight of victory and the fight of survival look very different. The fight of victory and the fight of survival. Suspicion is you are in survival mode. You're not in thriving mode. You're just surviving. You're just trying to keep an edge on the enemy. You're just trying to one-up. You're just trying to stay one step ahead. (laughs) But if you'll follow the Holy Spirit, He'll always keep you ahead. You'll never fall behind. When we become suspicious, we become defensive. We withdraw. Could you stand with me? want to take a moment and I want to call out the spirit of weariness. What do you mean spirit of weariness? Yeah. I just read it to you. We do not war against flesh and blood. You know what? You don't even war against your own flesh and blood. When you feel tired, you can speak to that. When you feel weary and burned out, you can speak to that. You can take authority over that. It doesn't have to be that way. I just don't have the energy. Quit saying I don't have the energy. Speak to it. I have the energy. Maybe my mortal body is renewed day by day. Speak to your heart. Speak to your arteries. Speak to your lungs. Speak to your muscles. Speak to your intensity. Speak to your mind that it's clear and it operates effectively. Speak to your body. Don't let the enemy win this battle of weariness. Don't let the enemy uh, 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 burn you out and cause you to become weary in these last days. We need a church at full strength. We need a church that's alive. We need a church that knows it's redeemed, that knows its power comes from on high. We need a church that knows that even my moral, you can't take me out because I got a purpose, I got a mission. I've got a purpose to accomplish. That's the church we need in these last days. So Father, we come to you right now by your Holy Spirit. And we ask you to refresh us anew. We ask you to refresh us anew. We ask you to fill us once again. Fill our minds. Fill our spirits. Fill our bodies. Even though it can grow weary and decay day by day, we are renewed by the inner man, strengthened by the inner man. We cut off and we remove the distractions that bring us to weariness. We repent right now for fighting battles that we have no business fighting. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we repent. We change our thinking about that individual. Somebody in this room, you have a brother. A brother. He's specifically telling me, you have a brother that you're at odds with, you're at war with, 
a difference of opinion or a difference. I, I don't know all the details, but there's a brother. If that's you, he's telling me right now, let that battle go. Let the fight go. Whoever that's for right now, it's costing you. It's costing you in your other relationships where you ought to be fighting for, fighting for your marriage, fighting for your kids. You can't fight those battles because you're fighting a war that you should not be fighting. Remove the distractions. Remove the distractions. Remove the distractions right now. Hallelujah. We need a refreshing. We need a renewing. By your spirit, fill us up. Fill us up. Strengthen us once again. Come on, if that's you, you you have experienced extreme weariness, extreme tiredness. Just lift your hands to the Lord and give it to him. Cast your cares. Come on, if that's you. I mean, extreme. I mean, it's just daily. You you just have no energy. You, You can't even think of what needs to be done. You're just so wore out. Stuff that you haven't even done yet wears you out. Come on, cast your cares right now. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares for those kids you're trying to raise. He cares for that marriage you're trying to invest in and pour in. He cares about that job that you're working 50, 60 hours a week for. He cares. He cares about the finances that you're trying to get those paychecks for. And he's saying, if you would learn that I'm the Lord over your life and I'm I'm the one that owns, I will make sure it all comes to you and every need that you have will be met according to my riches and glory. The straining stops tonight. The toiling stops tonight. And I speak rest in the name of Jesus. Supernatural rest. Supernatural rest right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you haven't had a complete full nights of rest in months. It's coming. He gives his beloved rest. Sleep comes in the name of Jesus. You say you can just call in sleep. We're speaking to it. Spiritual forces, cosmic powers that are withholding and restraining. You do what you can, and then the Holy Spirit does the rest. And he will bring sleep. He'll bring sleep. If that's you and you haven't had that full night's rest and you need it, you just lift your hands and you just ask him for it right now. You just ask him for it. Father, I ask you right now, full night's rest in the name of Jesus. Supernatural sleep. If I wake up, I fall back to sleep immediately. We need to be at full capacity. We need to be at full strength. No more weariness. I rebuke weariness in the name of Jesus right now. I speak to it and it has to die at its root. We bind up weariness and we loose rest and peace in the name of Jesus. So what do you mean you bind and you loose? Matthew chapter 16, that the church was given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth, 
will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I bind up weariness in the name of Jesus. A church that is weary cannot function, cannot do what it was called to do, cannot operate. I speak strength. Strength to stand. Strength to raise the standard. Raise the standard. I speak strength in the name of Jesus. I loose strength. Strength by the Lord and by His vast strength. He's doing a work. He's doing a work. The peace of God that passes all understanding. May it guard your heart. May it guard your mind. Christ Jesus strength comes as you renew your mind to his word for he says I will keep it perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on me he says if you'll stay in me strength will stay in you it's the word of the Lord if you will stay in me abide in me and my words abide in you You'll have strength for every test, strength for every battle, strength. Strength to discern what demands your time and what doesn't. Strength to say no to what you need to say no to and yes to take on the things that you need to say yes to. Strength to pass up and the strength to choose. For I will lead you by my spirit. I will lead you. In your heart of hearts, you will know. That's it. That's the step. That's the right move. You'll have the strength, the resolve, the tenacity, and the drive to accomplish what I've called you to do. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.